You are now tuned in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Wow, it's been a while, huh? <laughs> Man, many years. It has been. How long has it been? Four or five years ago. Yeah, a few years, right? Yeah. <laughs> been amazing. Yeah, man, that's a long time. Yeah, time flies, huh? Yeah, you've been good? Yeah, I've been doing great. I see that you've been doing great as well. <laughs> I've been trying, man. Been trying, you know. <laughs> why, why are you trying? Oh, just every day is a, is a you know, trying to do my best uh, with all the hats that I wear. I wear. I wear a lot of hats, you know, from being a single dad to running a business to you know, a, a, a house taker, I got to clean my house to, you know, grocery shop, I got to do laundry. So I got to wear a lot of hats. And so some days, some things fall short in, in certain areas, like with business, and sometimes things fall short with me as a dad. So it's always show up every single day, do my best, and uh, just realize that I am doing my best. So that's what I mean by, you know, trying to, to wear all the hats as good as I possibly can. Yeah, we're, we're sometimes too harsh with ourselves. Um, I'm just telling you from from my point of view, like from looking at you from the side, you're doing a fabulous yeah. job, brother. Like, I don't know you you like like a, a good friend of mine, but from what I see, I, I tend to feel people like energy. You have good energy. It's like some people, when I, I start talking with them, I, I get nervous or something, but with you, it's like, no matter your status or what you accomplish, it's like you're down to earth, man. Like you, you it's really nice talking to you. It's always been Thank like, you. And I saw interviews with you, with other people, and you have that, that sense of energy that it's really good to be around you. So I really appreciate the time taking uh, to be on my podcast again. Uh, I really don't take it for granted and um, I'm really looking forward to to chatting with you because I know that uh, you did the fit to fat to 40 challenge once again so uh, if we can jump on that uh, when we, we start uh, talking uh, so if you can share your uh, second experience yeah first of all I just want to say thank you for that compliment that really that really meant a lot to me and uh, it makes me feel um very good about, you know, that's how I try and show up in the world. And, you know, even though we don't know each other very close, I try and, um, you know, make people feel listened to, heard and understood. I think that's all we want as humans. We want people to understand us. We want people to listen to us. We want to feel heard and seen. And I try and be as present as possible, no matter who's interviewing me. So even though we haven't spoken in what, five years, um, my hope is to, you know, bring that same energy uh, every single time that I, that I show up. So I appreciate that. Um, as far as fit to fat to 40 goes, so that was, uh, I did it a second time back in 2020 was when I did it as a 40 year old. Cause when I did it in 2011, I was only 31. So, you know, the younger you are, the more resilient your body is, your metabolism is most likely faster. Your hormones are probably more optimal when you're younger. And so a lot of people are like, oh, well, you did it when you were 30, 31. Let's see how it is for you when you're 40. And so I thought of doing it again a second time uh, as a 40 year old, but then 
2020 happened. And we all know that was a crazy year, especially here in the United States with a lot of the riots that were happening. And then the pandemic happened shortly after that. And it was chaos. And I felt like there was a lot of division in our, in our world. And for me, the biggest uh, game changer for solving that is empathy. And I think as, as humans, we've lost the ability to empathize because we listen to respond to people instead of listen to understand. We listen to judge and critique and uh, make our, ourselves feel right and make other people feel feel wrong. And um, <clears throat> so I think a lot of, uh, you know, we've lost the ability to empathize, listen, truly listen to understand someone. And I felt like doing it a second time uh, with the message of, of, of we need more empathy, in the, especially in the fitness industry, but also in the world. <laughs> I feel like the fitness industry is, a, is an industry that lacks empathy. It's focused on body image only. And if you don't look a certain way, then you are um, less than. You are not of value in our society. And I want to change that by understanding that empathy, self-love, self-acceptance is very important when it comes to changing your physical body. Uh, physical transformation is way more mental and emotional than people think. And so by doing this a second time, you know, uh, as a 40 year old this time, <laughs> my hope was to inspire people to love themselves a little bit more, uh, have more empathy for themselves. Because if you have more empathy for yourself, it's easier to empathize and love other people. And so that was kind of my message doing it again. Plus, I wanted to make it more educational this time around. When I did it in 2011, there was no Facebook Lives. There was no TikTok. There's no Insta stories. There was none of this live streaming versus now when, when I did it in 2020, I, there was more uh, social media. wasn't what it is today. And so I wanted to really show people uh, like every single day, what, what I went through physically, mentally, emotionally, what I ate, my macros. So that people could see exactly like a more of a, a, a deeper look into what it entailed and how hard it was for me um and hopes to inspire people so that's kind of why i did it uh, a second time so just to give people some perspective uh how much weight are we talking that you gained and lost and how much calories it took you per day during the bulk yeah in phase yeah so i gained weight for four months so no exercise for four months i gained 62 pounds in four months which is quite a bit of weight <laughs> right and um <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of fat that I gained because I wasn't I wasn't bulking up. I wasn't like this bodybuilder eating a lot of calories, and I was probably averaging, to be totally honest with you, around five thousand plus calories per day, um, which seems like a lot. But here in America, with all the processed foods that we have, it's very easy to overconsume these highly processed, highly palatable foods that are specifically designed for addiction. These companies spend millions of dollars on food scientists to come up with flavoring combinations and colors and the marketing of, uh, you know, the, the look the, and color of the, of even like the bags or the, the, um, um, you know, the labels and things like that to, to kind of, uh, from a psychological perspective, get people to overconsume these foods. And so it's very easy to overconsume these foods. So I ate around 5,000 plus calories per day um, uh, and gained 62 pounds in four months. And then the journey back to fit when I lost the weight, I averaged anywhere between 1,800 to 2,000 calories per day, uh, and that was mostly whole foods. And that's the thing is when you eat whole foods, it's it's a lot more difficult to overconsume broccoli or cauliflower or chicken breast. <laughs> you know, these these foods, you can't eat – it's really hard to eat 5,000 calories of 
chicken and broccoli uh, versus 5,000 calories of pizza and sugary cereals and sodas and chips and cookies and crackers. And so that's kind of uh, what my strategy was to lose the weight. But did you do it gradually, like uh, in the calories? Like once you said, okay, I'm going to start this transformation. And did you immediately start at 5,000 calories when your body was just eating, let's say, 3,000 calories? Mm -hmm. So I, that's a very interesting question. I ate until I was full every single day. And that usually averaged out. I wasn't trying to hit a, a number. I wasn't trying to like, hey, I have to eat 5,000 calories or I failed today. It was basically eat until I'm full and stop when I'm full and then eat again when I'm hungry, which if you're eating these foods with these blood sugar spikes and crashes, you will be hungry within probably an hour to two hours later. Um, and it creates this vicious cycle of you know feeling hungry again, feeling depleted. And so your, your body gets a little bit shaky with these blood sugar uh, spikes and crashes. So you feel the need to eat again every couple hours, more highly processed foods like chips and cookies and crackers and, you know, white bread, white pasta, all these processed foods we have here in America. So every two or three hours I was, I was eating something again. And um, yeah, I, I, I average, I just ended up averaging, averaging around 5,000. Some days I hit 7,000 calories though. <laughs> so we're talking about just, four, five lot. pounds that you gained every single week, something like that. Sometimes. Yeah. I think the first week I gained 12, which was probably mostly, you know, water weight and things like that. Uh, but yeah, other weeks I gained four or five pounds. Some weeks I gained two or three. The next week maybe five or six. Like it just, it was so, it wasn't like a linear scale up of every week was the same amount of weight gain because as you know, your body adapts and adjusts. And so as I got heavier, the weight gain kind of slowed down sometimes. And then other times I would have to like maybe do a, a an extreme food challenge you know, where I would, you know, maybe eat like 50 chicken nuggets or I would eat something massive once a week and that would help my weight gain process <laughs> it's way cheaper to live as a fat person right even when you eat a lot of food yeah uh, the, that's that's the, that's the thing we have here backwards here in america is the highly processed food that is bad for you is the cheapest food possible so if you want to lose weight here you have to pay more money because organic grass-fed you know, free range, all these things that are healthier foods are sometimes double the price of, you know, a, a Big Mac and fries, or sometimes, you know, these processed foods that you have at the store, those are subsidized. So corn, wheat, and soy products, which is most of these processed foods are subsidized by the government, making those products even cheaper. So for example, Coca-Cola or soda for the same amount is, is cheaper than water, <laughs> which even though, the like you know the ingredients in in coca-cola there's more ingredients versus just water why is water more expensive than than coca-cola it's kind of interesting most countries are designed to make you fat it's like when you go to check out yeah. the supermarket even when you do check out what do you see this uh tweaks here and uh, this chocolate here and it's like just <laughs> uh, get you to to buy more and more stuff and that's why obesity is like in years just get higher and higher uh, so what was the, the physical thing that you saw uh, in your body? Like, okay, you got bigger, of course, but did you yeah. see some some stuff that's going through your body? Like you go into the bathroom more or uh, like what, what's mm -hmm. going on when you're gaining all this weight? 
yeah, a lot of physical things happen. So obviously the, the, the fat accumulation, you know, came on pretty quickly where, you know, most of my weight gain was in the chest, belly, love handle, butt area. And that's kind of where I gained most of my weight. So that was, that was, you know, predictable. That was supposed to happen. <clears throat> the other stuff that people don't see is eating these types of foods actually affects your sleep more than you think. So eating these types of foods, you know, late into the night, it disrupts your sleep cycles. And when your sleep cycles are disrupted, your hormones are off, right? You you wake up, but you're not energized. You're not refreshed. You wake up, you know, lethargic and tired still. And so you feel like you need, you know, caffeine. You feel like you need stimulants of some kind to wake yourself up. And then what happens is these blood sugar spikes and crashes, you know, every time you eat five meals a day, spike, crash, spike, crash, spike, crash is exhausting. And so I would feel the need to have to take naps during the day, just feeling exhausted. Plus what happens is your ability to handle stress is diminished. And so my cortisol levels were, you know, always elevated during this, uh, this journey of gaining weight. And, you know, that leads to an inability to handle stress. So for example, I have two daughters, you know, that they come with a lot of stress. You know, I was in a relationship at the time, I had a girlfriend. Um, so my ability to handle stress situations uh, was diminished because my sleep was affected. My hormones were off. So it was more emotional. Uh, I was more uh, reactive, I would say, to stress because I couldn't, I could only handle so much stress every day. And so when you're sleep deprived, like anyone that has had a newborn baby before and you're not sleeping through the night, you're kind of delirious. Your your body, you know, operates uh, even more you know, delirious than when you're drunk. Um, you know, your, your ability to handle stressful situations is, is not the same. And so, um, yeah, gastric, you know, um, intestinal issue, issues, you know, more gas, more bloating, more bathroom trips, uh, for sure. And then just not feeling comfortable, like feeling like you're just you know, bloated all day long. You know, your stomach is, is kind of uh, out of whack with all the, the, the processed foods that definitely disrupt your gut microbiome. And uh, yeah, it wasn't the funnest experience. I, although I will say, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you, Lidor, like the food it did taste good. <laughs> like, and that's the problem is that even though we want to, uh, you know, you know, bash these types of foods, the problem is that they do taste good and they do make you feel good. They release something called dopamine in your brain, just like a drug would. Um, and when you get these dopamine hits from these foods, your body craves more dopamine. And so it becomes a drug. It becomes like cocaine or heroin for some people, because if they're sad, if they're lonely, if they're depressed, they're going through financial struggles or they just went through a breakup. It's so easy to numb that pain with, you know, ice cream or soda or cake or, or even alcohol. Right. Same kind of thing. Um, and, and so what we do is we create this vicious cycle of dependency, like an addiction where this food becomes our drug, where if we are stressed out because of our kids or we're sad because of a breakup, we can go to the food, which temporarily makes us feel better for a short period of time. And then it wears off. And then we're like, well, I'm feeling sad again. I don't like this feeling. You know, maybe if I eat some food or drink some alcohol or whatever it is, we, we look for substances to numb the pain. And we have that so accessible in our society. And that's the hard part. Were you afraid that like you're gonna get a heart attack or something like that? Like, okay, I'm a dad now. I have two daughters, so <laughs> it's just about me doing the challenge here. So, uh, what were on your mind on those like you know uh, our times were like, like oh my god, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing this <laughs> myself again? 
I have two dollars. I have a good business. What do I need to prove it again that uh, I do it in my 40s? What? I need to do it in my 50s again? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I don't plan on doing it in my 50s <laughs> okay. so far. Yeah. So, but yes, I was concerned, but I did have a doctor monitor me every uh, month or so. Every two weeks or so, I would go into his office, do blood work just to make sure I was still somewhat healthy. And, um, you know, obviously my health was at risk, uh, you know, in a certain sense, but not to the point of, of death or anything like that. But yeah, there were times where I was a little bit scared or nervous, but I trusted that four months of living this way, you know, wouldn't be enough time to do any long-term serious damage. And that's what my doctor would, you know, why he was monitoring me. Um, but you know what, when you have a why, that is so important to you, right? Because I knew what my why was. My why going into this was to inspire people, you know, uh, bring more empathy into this world and leave that legacy. For me, if you have an, a, a why, then you can get through almost anything. You can get through almost anything in this life if you have, if you know your purpose. And so for me, I knew my purpose. I knew that I was going to do this no matter what. And I even went through a really hard breakup with my girlfriend at the time during this challenge, which was, I mean, that's, that's why this challenge was so hard for me. And I'll just be totally open with you and your audience is that we're going through a breakup with my girlfriend during this challenge um, left me emotionally down. Like I was sad and I did get depressed. And what's interesting is the food that I was eating before to gain the weight, like, you know, I was eating it to gain weight. Now I was eating the food to soothe and comfort you know, those feelings of going through a breakup. And that's where my eyes were really open of how powerful emotional eating is and why people get stuck in these addictive cycles of uh, food addiction. Because anytime you're feeling sad or lonely, you have access to this food that can temporarily make you feel better. Because, you know, chicken and broccoli or salmon and broccoli doesn't do the same thing as ice cream or, or soda or alcohol. Um, you know, and so I really, uh, empathized even more with people that struggle with food, food addiction after, after that experience. So a lot of people, when they look at you from the side, they will say, ah, easy for him. You have good genetic and stuff. I have a client that I wanted to show your transformation so we could get inspired because you always said now in my forties, I can do that, blah, blah, blah. All this story, everybody yeah. has a different story, you know? So I show him, he said, no, no, he, his body type is, is skinny. So he, he, he can't be like uh, overweight or something like that. So uh, both of us know that uh, it's a lot about identity, right? Because if you hmm. have an identity of how you're supposed to look and be uh, in your physical body, then eventually you will get to that identity. And as long as uh, you didn't conquer a new identity, you will always be in your your identity that you think you deserve to be. So I want you to to take us back when you started the cutting phase. What's going on there? Because it's not like a light switch that you turn yourself on and like, okay, let's go. I am just uh, going to cut every single week. So what's going on there and how you overcome all these fat habits that you created? Yeah, that's a really good question. <clears throat> I think, you know, going to, um, on the journey back to fit, losing the weight, this is the hardest part for not just for me, but for everyone, because you're leaving this life of comfort. The life of comfort that I built before was so comfortable. Any kind of discomfort I had 
I could find comfort in food or just relaxing. I didn't have to work hard for anything. The journey to lose weight is very uncomfortable. And unfortunately, we are a you know society uh, that's addicted to comfort. And so to get people to change, they have to get uncomfortable. And so, you know, uncomfortable means feeling hungry or eating less food or eating, you know, a healthy food versus unhealthy food or exercising versus sitting on the couch. You have to get uncomfortable if you want to see change. And so uh, the process back to fit consisted of obviously, you know, changing up my diet, um, working out every single day um, and uh, staying accountable. And this is the biggest thing that I think will help people truly make a change is either hiring a coach, a trainer, or being part of a community. Because if you're trying to do it by yourself, your mind will find excuses to go back to that life of comfort. Like, oh, this is too hard. You know, this is your, your muscles are sore or you're really tired. You should sleep in. Uh, you shouldn't go to the gym today because it's, you know, it's, it's so uncomfortable. It's so hard. And so your mind kind of becomes your enemy. Uh, telling you to go back to these old ways. And so I think having an accountability partner, whether it's a coach or a trainer, or being part of an online community where people are doing the, the work with you at the same time can help motivate you to create support. Because as humans, we, you know, we, we are um, uh, relational beings, like we need relationships in our life. And having a sense of community can help motivate people in those times where your brain's like, hey, go back to bed, eat the ice cream, you know, just relax a little bit. But then if you're like, well, my friends are going walking today and, you know, we're supposed to do this workout or, you know, I already meal prepped my food and people are doing, uh, you know, in this community are doing this with me. They're like, we're doing this together. That'll help you get past those times where your mind wants to go back to its old ways. And that's really a, a huge uh, aspect comes to transformation. And, that, and even for me. Like there was times where I had food cravings, where I wanted to go back to the life of comfort, where I wanted, you know, the ice cream or the cinnamon toast crunch, like the sugary cereal that we have here. And it would just felt so it would have felt so good just to have that comfort. But doing the uncomfortable things, I know will bring the change that I want and I deserve. And this is the, what's so important for people is they have to find some level of, of worthiness and realize that they are worth uh, they are worth it to do the hard things now so that in the long run it brings more lasting fulfillment and change because if you're honest with yourself eating the ice cream sitting down watching netflix is more comfortable in the moment but it leads to more discomfort in the long run because you're gonna have to deal with health issues and feel unhealthy and all that stuff but if you choose the harder uncomfortable decision in the short term right doing exercise eating the healthy food is more uncomfortable in the short term, but it brings long-term lasting results that do bring fulfillment into your life. And you have to realize that you're worthy to do the hard things in order to get the life that you want. And so that's, that's the mind trick that people need to realize is to shift their mindset and see it from a different perspective of like these things that they don't want to do. They see as a chore, exercise and diet. Instead of seeing those things as a chore, you start to see those things as things that you love that bring happiness and joy into your life in the long term. And so it's worth sacrificing the short-term um, uncomfortability for a period of time in, in order to bring the long-term lasting uh, you know, fulfillment that you're seeking and the change that you're seeking. And so that's kind of the tricks that I use. It's more of a mindset trick than it is just forcing yourself or willpowering your way to do it. And it takes time to learn that. And I think once people realize that, 
that's where it becomes a lifestyle change. That's where it becomes more than just a diet that they do for 30 or 60 days and lose a bunch of weight. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you feel that because most of us don't feel we are enough, we, we should seek uncomfortable situation again and again? But it's like that sugar high, no? Because the more you seek mm-hmm. uh, those uh, outside achievement, like you want to do this in your life and this, so you, you can feel that you are enough. Like, did you felt it when you like uh, did your, the first transformation? Like after all this transformation that you did from fit to fat to fit, you felt like sense of achievement and then what? Okay, now what? I need another one and another one. It's like... Something that's never hand. So how do you break that cycle and start to love yourself more so you can feel, okay, I am enough. I will achieve stuff in my life. And even if it's not in the time frame that I want, I can still enjoy along mm-hmm. the process. Yeah, the, the journey uh, to loving oneself is just as hard, if not harder, than the journey to transform your body, right? <laughs> we all want to transform our bodies, right? And we know that it requires some hard work. The journey of learning to love yourself is another hard journey, but more so on the mental and emotional side. And this is, I would say, the, the most important work, but it's even harder than working out and, and dieting because what it requires is for you to face your inner demons and figure out why you are the way you are, figure out what happened to you in your life that from childhood up until now that led you to become who you are and why you think the way you think. And so sometimes that has to do with facing inner demons, facing past traumas and challenges and pain that we've experienced to realize that, hey, you know, the reason I am the way I am, the reason I struggle with body transformation and the reason I struggle with food addiction and the reason I struggle with staying consistent is tied to this, right? Because maybe I didn't feel good enough as a kid. Maybe I was abused or maybe my my parents didn't love me or maybe someone teased me or, or picked on me as a kid because of my weight. And I've always felt this, you know, insecure, you know, part of me. And what happens is we look at physical transformation. If we get this body, that'll make all my problems go away. And so we think if I just, you know, diet and exercise and get this perfect body, then I'll be happier. And that's what a lot of people think will happen, but that's the the wrong approach that most people have. The, the right approach is to learn to love yourself as you are, accept yourself you know, as imperfect as you are. Maybe you're 300 pounds, 400 pounds, you're overweight. Right now, it's not about, it's not about going back in time and you know, you know, blaming people for this or blaming people for that. It's just understanding uh, that level of awareness of like, oh, this happened, which led me down this path. And now here I am today. Now I'm able to connect the dots and understand my traumas and my triggers and now moving forward, as you become more self-aware, this is where self-awareness is the key to overcoming addiction. As you become more self-aware and you understand why you do what you do, the next time you're triggered, like let's say you're getting in a fight with your spouse, that triggers you to stress, to be stressed out. That triggers you to go drink some alcohol, to feel better temporarily, and then you repeat that cycle. Well, the next time you get in a fight with your spouse, now you're able to observe those thoughts and emotions of feeling stress and overwhelm and anger and frustration And you're able to detach from those thoughts and emotions and you kind of see it playing out as a movie in front of you. And now with that awareness, you get to pick and choose, okay, do I want to go down the path of self-sabotage by drinking the alcohol or eating the cake? Or do I want to make the better decision for my health and for my, my future self by, you know, maybe going for a walk instead, or maybe 
you know, uh, calling a friend or whatever it is to help you pick a different path. And then as you start to pick a different path, now you're creating new neural pathways in your brain to help yourself get out of that loop that you've been stuck in. And so how can you build self-awareness? A lot of different ways. I would say meditation works really well. Journaling works really well. Getting out in nature and just being alone with your thoughts. Uh, talk therapy, having a therapist or a counselor of some type, or even just friends or a community to talk to about your problems or what you've been through can really help uh, heal your mindset and help you do the inner work, not just outer work that we've talked about diet and exercise, but doing the inner work to really heal yourself, heal your heart so that now moving forward, you're moving forward from a place of worthiness and self-acceptance and self-love, which makes the diet and exercise part more manageable and so much easier. And this is what I try and do with my brand now that I've been through Fit to Fit, Fit twice. And this is what I think will help change people's mindset before they come to try and change their body. Uh, what do you feel about the uh, work-life balance? Do you believe that uh, you you tend to balance <laughs> like family, your personal life, work stuff? Because you said you, you've got lots of stuff on your table probably. So how do you balance it? Yeah. And would you give me some tips from that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question because like I was telling you before the we started is, you know, the whole idea of work-life balance is really difficult because if I give to my daughters, my business suffers. If I give to my business, my relationship with my daughters suffer. And so you have to kind of sometimes pick and choose what's the most important thing today. And of course, you as an adult in this world, you have to, you have to be an adult. You have to make money and pay bills and pay taxes and, you know, buy groceries and take care of your kids. Like you have to do all the things. So you have to carve out time <clears throat> to do the business things that you need to do every single day. But being aware that, hey, if I'm giving too much to this one area, I have to be aware that this area over here is lacking. So scheduling out time every single day for both things or multiple things per day is really important where, okay, I'm going to wear the hat as a dad and I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes trying to be um, as present as possible with my kids, right? Whether we're coloring, drawing, watching movie, cooking, eating, just, you know, going for a walk, whatever it is, be as present as possible. In and then when I'm in my work. Even worse, right? In relationship. Because uh, when yes. you, like I see it with my spouse, it's like, ah, all the day you're just walking and do your stuff and we don't have time. And it's like, like, it's not like in the past. And I get her, I truly understand. But the priorities right now, it's like, I gotta start getting my career moving forward and I want to achieve and do stuff. And she's like, ah, like one or two times in a, in a week, it's not enough for me. And like, uh, you just, yeah. you know, you don't give me enough time, you know? Yeah, I think it's important to understand that there's different seasons of life where you might have to go through like a hustle grind phase with your work and for a season and then build it up to a place where you, you feel more comfortable. And then maybe there's a season where now it's running itself and it's more efficient and then you can give more to your relationships and understand like, hey, for the next three months, I'm going to be really hardcore. But then after that, we're going to schedule time for vacations, for us time, dates things like that. And in the meantime, during that hustle grind phase, maybe instead of like trying to balance it out perfectly, you still schedule a date night each week, or you still schedule something where it's just you two. And it's about being as present as possible, which means more quality time. The ability to be present 
with the ones you love, I think is super important where you're not on your phone, you're not texting, you're not like making content. And then the other times when you're making content, you're present with just that. And and then your focus is on that instead of like, oh, I got to, you know, uh, schedule the date night and, and do all these things that for my person schedule out time for both of those things where you're as present as possible in both of those moments. I think that's what the most important thing is. Like I said, in the beginning, we all want to be heard. We all want to be understood. We all want to be seen. And if we're not present, we're not able to give that to people, even to ourselves. So learning to be present in the moment is really important. How is your morning routine looks like? Uh, currently, um, I wake up every morning, usually around five o'clock. Um, I'll meditate, I'll journal, uh, and I'll write down a gratitude list of things I'm grateful for every day. Um, and then from there, I uh, make my coffee with some type of, I do like, uh, protein in my coffee. I'll do whey protein, collagen, and some like blend of mushrooms, like chaga or, or reishi or lion's mane, whatever it is. And then from there, um, I'll get ready for the gym and uh, go work out. And then I'll come back. Oh, I also add creatine to my coffee. So I'll do coffee, creatine, whey protein, collagen, and some of the mushroom blend. Um, doesn't dehydrate the coffee with the creatine together? No, because what I do is I add, uh, for my pre-workout, what I add to my pre-workout is a salt pill. And I just take about 300 to 500 milligrams of salt before I go work out with lots of water and electrolytes. And then I'll go work out and rehydrate because, yeah, the coffee is a little bit of a diuretic. Um, and that's why. And the creatine doesn't dehydrate you. Um you, you obviously need enough water when you're taking creatine, but I take about five grams per day, which is the recommended dose. Uh, but then I also hydrate and have a lot of uh, sodium and water. And uh, sometimes I'll add uh, magnesium to my supplement protocol as well. And I take, you know, my supplements in the morning and things like that. But that's kind of my morning routine these days. And you're doing keto, right? Um ish right now i'm kind of cycling through different um protocols where i'll do more of a carb cycling approach where i'll do certain days of of uh, higher protein and higher carbs and lower fat and then i'll cycle through higher fat uh still high protein but then i'll lower my carbs slightly but when i eat carbohydrates it's mostly berries or you know potatoes or sweet potatoes um as my source of carbohydrates and i'll strategically uh, take in carbohydrates uh, pre and post workout. So it's mostly catered to performance um, to maximize my output during my workout and then to help with the recovery. Um, so I don't do keto every single day. Um, you know, I add in uh, some carbohydrates. So I know we are out of time. I just have a last question mm -hmm. for you. You said you help yeah. people feel less broken. When was the last time mm -hmm. you felt broken? And do you ever feel broken in in any time like like these days yesterday i felt pretty broken <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i have i have ups and downs uh, i think in my life i'm very blessed i love my life i love being a dad i love what i do but there are days where it's hard you know i'm i live in hawaii which is beautiful it's a paradise it really is beautiful here every single day but, you know, there's days where, you know, I'm still, I'm single and I'm, my daughters are getting older and I'm realizing that they're not going to be around with me forever. And eventually I'm going to have to let them go and they're going to move on in life. 
on some days that gets me down. If it makes me feel sad. And um, I did feel, I didn't feel broken necessarily. I don't ever feel broken, but I feel the negative emotions, the heaviness of how hard this life can be. And here's the key. I think it's important for us as humans to let ourselves feel the feelings, those negative emotions, but don't identify yourself with those negative emotions. You are not those negative emotions. They're a part of you. So let let yourself, yeah, let yourself feel those feelings, but don't attach yourself to those feelings and create an identity around that. Just realize that that's a part of you and you're not always going to feel that way. So for example, today I woke up, I felt great. I slept really good. I went for a ruck. I moved my body. Um, got into my journaling and I already feel a time better today, even though those thoughts are still there today. I'm just not choosing to attach myself to those thoughts. Um, but yesterday I let myself feel those feelings. I think it's important because uh, Rumi, he said the cure for pain is in the pain. So let yourself turn towards the pain, let yourself feel the pain, let the pain teach you something. The pain is there to serve you, to teach you a lesson. And I think that's an important lesson for all of us of life happening for you, not to you. And that's kind of how I get through those hard times. Such a great, I'm such grateful for this man. Uh, I really appreciate all the uh, of what you said and uh, talk with me and the audience that are going to listen to this. So I want to thank you again for the time for taking. Uh, would like you yeah. to hear where can people find you? Yeah, I appreciate the time. Uh, my brand is called Fit Number Two Fat Number Two Fit. So fit to fat to fit with the number two in between. That's my website. That's my all my social media handles. So I'm on all the channels out there. And uh, that's how people can reach out to me. So thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, it's a, It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. So uh, you heard him, Drew Manning. And this guy walked the walk for more than two decades or three decades, right? So <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you so much. So yep. always learn from people that not just run in their mouth, but also walk the walk mm -hmm. uh, for a long period of time. So thanks again, Drew. Hey Amen. Thank you. If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the FAST Factor. The FAST Factor stands for 1. Facebook Become a part of the Mind Body Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body Podcast community. Number 2. Act Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. 3. Subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the Mind Body Podcast on YouTube. And number 4. Train others. Because just like I always says, leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together. And by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook, act, subscribe and train others.
Oh, and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, which when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking, and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.